And welcome back. Uh, this is the season finale of the Demonland podcast. Uh, my name is Andy, and season 2019 is officially over. And whilst I mentioned that this will be our season finale, we will be back later in the year uh, for a couple of special shows, dissecting Trade Week in about six weeks' time, and um, then it's the National Draft in November. Um, and yes, this is, was a slightly new theme song. The sound quality is a little bit better than the original rip from uh, VHS to YouTube to MP3. Uh, I managed to secure a copy of a cassette tape, uh, if you guys remember those things. Uh, tonight I'm rejoined by Grape Viney, who has come out of a self-imposed exile to discuss Saturday's Nowbiter in Tasmania. Good evening, Grape Viney. Uh, good evening, Andy. More so I've come out to celebrate the fact that, thank God, it's finally over. <laughs> yes. Um, thank heavens. Uh, it just seemed to go on and on. And uh, not a whole lot changed, unfortunately, in the second half of the season. So I think a lot of people perhaps had come to terms with the fact that the season was a write-off, but we're hoping to see it, um, things sort of turn the corner um, after the buy, and that didn't really happen, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, although we had a, a, a decent three-quarter effort uh, on the weekend against North. And we will talk about that in a little bit more detail. But first, uh, also joining us tonight, after a few weeks on the sidelines, we've got Demon Historian and blogger, author of The Great Depression. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Demon Blog. He's known as Super Mercado on DemonLand.com. Good evening, Super Mercado. Oh, good evening, boys. Thank you for having me again. Yes, I, I must say, I I'm almost sort of feeling nostalgic for footy season already. <laughs> I, could I could almost go again this week. <laughs> Um, but now, unfortunately, we have to wait six months to find out whether this season was the fluke or last season was the fluke. And I think we're going to land somewhere probably right in the middle of the two and all end up still back here next year unhappy, but potentially not as unhappy as we are now. It's just really going to kill me uh, watching these teams play in the finals, particular teams that, uh, well, some of them maybe don't deserve to be there. I don't oh, think Essendon yeah. do. But. This, this has been an excuse. For, if last year was an excuse for having more teams in the finals, this year has been an excuse for going back to a final five. Yeah, I was going to, I sort of had this thought that um, it, it's real, um, it, it's not a good uh, advertisement for the, um, uh, what are they called, the wildcard game. Because, yep. you know... We'll... At the same time, though, if they could line up, they they would kill themselves for an Adelaide-Port Adelaide, Adelaide uh, game in prime time to decide a token finals position that neither of them deserve. And unfortunately, the broadcasters are the ones that write the enormous check. So quality or not, I'm sure that's where we're heading in the next few years. Let's just try and get in once more in a legitimate final series before we have to get in via the back door. You know, I, I probably, if it was a final six and then they had, uh, you know, final five and then they had a wild card for the sixth spot, yeah, maybe I'd be more inclined. Um, 
especially if we were always hovering around that mark, then yes, yes which we usually are. <laughs> so, which, well, when we were, when we were a finals team, we usually were. We obviously haven't been hovering around that position apart from a couple of years recently for a long time. Just think, if they had a wild card round in 2017, we would have been saved the trauma of that weekend of the Collingwood and uh, then West Coast Adelaide games. We wouldn't have missed the finals by the smallest margin in the history of the VFL AFL competition. So how could we live without that? That is true. If you would like to join us tonight on the program, uh, give us a call 03 uh, 03-90-16-3-6. We love hearing from uh, Demon Landers and listeners to the Demon Land podcast or give us a Skype at Demonland31. Uh, if you are listening to the show live, head over to our chat room at demonland.com slash podcast. Uh, ask us a question, make a comment. We uh, do try to uh, peruse the comments and uh, bring them up. Uh, if we do see them, if you're listening to this later on, on SoundCloud, on demonland.com or via Apple or an Android podcasting app, give us a subscribe uh, to receive updates when the uh, episodes drop. And uh, you can look out for some episodes, as I mentioned, uh, during trade week and draft. Um, we will, we do like uh, having a, that time of the year. It's favourite time of the year on uh, Demonland. Head over to demonland.com. Uh, check out our trade uh, boards. There's uh, lots of fun and games and uh uh, over there at the moment with people uh, wanting to give up nothing to get a lot, um, as happens every year. Are you saying we can't package six different, um, you know, rookie players and get the best player in the league, get Nat Fife out of Freo? Well, if according to Demonland, yes, <laughs> yes. we can do that. As I, have, I haven't been onto the uh, trade board yet, but has anyone offered up Matt Jones as part of a deal? <laughs> and Can you still do that? It would be nice if we could. Uh, if we could. Um... Well, who is who is the new person in that? Because I remember for a while it was Brad Miller. It was his late cup last couple of years. It was Brad Miller to anybody for Jonathan Brown, uh, <laughs> and this then it turned into Matt Jones. Have we got a, a, a scapegoat now? I think not a scapegoat as such, but Oscar McDonald seems to be thrown into a lot of potential trades. Where no offence to Oscar, he's been in pretty bad form this year. I don't think other clubs are going to be falling over themselves to uh, be cutting trade deals to bring him into their side. But again, the same sort if you of... ask the people on the forums, it's him out. It's Patrick Dangerfield in. <laughs> it's the same sort of logic that says uh, Melbourne should get rid of uh, Goodwin as quickly um, as it can and hoping in the same breath that Adelaide are going to pick him up on a long-term yeah. contract because they're keen Correct. to secure his services. So yep. um, not a good coach for us, but definitely a good coach for them. So <laughs> that's Demon Land logic for you. <laughs> well, it's not just Demon Land. Let's not uh, tar Demon Land with that brush. No, uh, that's it true. Is, that's it is true. the whole uh, social media spectrum. Uh, <laughs> and you see at this time of year all the... All the, uh, all the you know, the journalists, so-called journalists. Uh, there, there, there was a there was an article. Uh, one of there was an article where they listed all the prospective trades this year, and I think they listed almost ninety percent of the uh, league is up for trade uh, to one club or another, or has been linked to a, uh, one club or another. But you know what? We're not uh, ready to talk trades just yet. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about this game. We've got one more game to get through. Um, talking about <laughs> one, one goal seven in the last quarter just typified our year. Um, you know that final kick from Nibbler uh, that rolled and, and hit the post just perfectly summed up the year. You know, just just close, but so so far away. It did, and look, the whole quarter uh, summed up the year. 
there were I can't I lost count of the number of kicks which came out of defence that either went out on the full or directly to a north player. It seemed about 15 minutes where um, the ball just kept bouncing in and out, uh, and uh, it was a terrible way to finish what had. Uh, um, you know, a game that had arguably had some of our best passages of play um, for the year. So, very disappointing way to finish the season. Um, not not that a win would have salvaged too much, but, uh, uh, yeah. It would have helped at least give us something to enjoy. We wouldn't have, you know, been jumping jumping up and down and, um, you know, declaring ourselves premiership certainties next year. But it would have been nice in a game where it meant absolutely nothing for our ladder position, just to get a win. You can't trust a round 23 dead rubber. You can't trust a round 23 game against a team going to the finals usually because the pin gets pulled in spectacular fashion. But even then, and I agree, some of our play was the best we've seen all season, but you don't know whether that's North being half interested, our guys trying to have one more bash, or actually something legitimately to look forward to next year. But I agree that there was no more Melbourne 2019 way to lose that game. The only way that could have been worse would have been if Mel- Melksham had like run into the goalpost <laughs> and seriously injured himself. That's the only way I can see that that would be a more Melbourne game. Throwing a lead at the end, doing a beautiful piece of movement from one end to the other, uh, burning a player in the in the right in front of goal who probably could have run in a better way to the goal, who was complaining before the ball had even landed that it didn't go to him. Uh, it was great. It was very Melbourne on brand. And, and it was, unfortunately, the third game we've now played in Hobart and the third game we've lost by under a goal. Yeah, it is uh, very depressing, uh, that, oh. that, that that ground for us hasn't been... And I've got to say, you mentioned uh, the Nibbler kick on goal. Um, you've got to also mention the Jones... Yeah, um, well, oh. it was coming uh, to the that. The Jones kick off <laughs> half-back and... Look, I, you can't see everything on the telly, and that's how um, I presume all of us saw it. Um, I did read one account from someone who was at the ground that said that there was no one at the boundary line, which is where the Jones kick should have gone. Um, but either way, it's an indictment on his teammates for not um, getting to the spot where the kick needed to go, and um, certainly an indictment on Jones for ultimately kicking it where he did. It's just a disaster. I mean, all year, that's what we've been doing. Um, we've been going down the line, um, much to, to the annoyance sometimes of uh, some people who would prefer us to probably play down the corridor at times. But uh, that's the way we've been playing. And he did go in and he's kicked it straight uh, to an opposition player. I, I thought for the most part, Jones gets a lot of criticism. He's had a lot of criticism in the in the latter part of the year. Uh, people are ready for him, want him to, to hang up the boots. I, I don't know where I sit yet with that. Uh, but um, I, I liked him playing as a half forward. And I think if he does, if he does go on next year, um, I think I'd prefer him to play as a half forward and not as a half back. I, I, I thought he was better at half forward than he has been at half back. Mm. I think he'll I still agree. go on. I think he's still got at least another year left in him. Yeah, I think so too. And by the sounds of it, again, as we discussed a few weeks ago, you can never trust the stories that get in the press because it's usually one side leaking against the other. But I think the one, if it was a one-year contract they offered him with triggers, I think that's perfectly fair at the moment. I, I don't want to lose him. I think he should go on for one more year with us. But you know, if, if some manager or him or whoever thinks they're going to get three years at this stage, uh, they'd be kidding themselves. But I, I do agree that... I thought he was played much better 
in the role he played last week than what he was when he was playing off the back line. Uh, but at the same time, I really think he was – the confidence was just shot. Like, there's no way he's going to go on as, as captain next year, I wouldn't have thought. And let's see if that causes a, a controversy when they try and uh, try and switch it. Uh, but I think it's it, best for him if he's going to go on for a year just to go on for at least another year without the, the captaincy and the media and all that side. Just let him go out and play footy. So we've talked about this in the in the last couple of weeks uh, in terms of the captaincy. Uh, Great Viney, what, what what do you want to see uh, next year in terms of captaincy? A lot of people calling for to go Gorn solo, give him the responsibility as a leader. Um, where do you see it falling next year? Uh, I'd be happy with that. I don't know about the optics then of yeah, you know that's Jack, a problem. Jack losing the captaincy. I think it's fine to take it off Nathan, and I wouldn't be surprised if. He, um, uh, if he sort of comes forward and does that anyway, um, look, I think they might be able to, um, they might be able to take it away from Viney behind the excuse of, uh, you know, he's had an injury yeah. interrupted two seasons, and uh, let's focus on, you know, getting him regularly out on the park and in top form um, before he goes back into a leadership role. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but I, I agree that. Uh, uh, Jones, I don't think will be in the role next year. And Binman points out uh, in the chat room that, well, says that his body language is awful. And uh, yeah, I don't know whether I'd describe it as bad as awful, but um, yeah, I, I think he's he's struggled a bit this year. Definitely flat, flat body language. Uh, yep. And I guess that's going to yep. happen when you've gone through so much. You've had one up year, and then suddenly, as your career starts winding down, the team bottoms out at least yep. for one year. Yep. I can understand why it would be. Uh, and I think he's done so much over the years that I, I can let him do that and still go on for at least one more year. I, I don't think you just shove him out the door, James McDonald style, just because he's had one average year. I, I think as long as he recognises the situation that's going into next year, where just like... Lewis, just like Vince, but obviously with a lot more emotion behind it than those two, you're not guaranteed a game. You're not necessarily going to play every single game of the seniors. As long as he understands that, then that's that's fine. I think we go on. But I think like McDonald, should he leave, it will be very sad, but he will leave with the respect of all the Melbourne fans. If he goes to Gold Coast, uh, I'll be there. I'll, I'll go to a Gold Coast game. I'm not going to more than one, but I will go to a Gold <laughs> Coast game just to pay tribute to him because he's been such a, a great servant for the club. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to he's more likely to play on next year with the proviso that he might spend time at Casey and I agree that uh he'll be the one to to give up the captaincy rather than have it be uh sort of unceremoniously taken off him. Um he he'll yep. he'll he'll give it up if that's the case. Um, Viney, that's a different story. Uh, I agree with the optics. I think perhaps the only way they can do it uh, is under the guise of, uh, you know, the injury interrupted things. But uh, I don't know. I'd like to see Max as solo captain. It's not nothing against Viney and what he's done. Uh, I just think maybe we need a change and we need to be ballsy and do something different. Um, I don't know. But uh, on Viney alone, I thought he was quite, this week, he was quite effective in a tagging role. I thought he really curbed uh, Cunnington. He reduced uh, the, his influence. Perhaps yep. should we turn Viney into a tagger? I know we did it a bit with Harms last year and early this year. 
um, maybe Viney is best as a as a tagger because he hasn't been so effective uh, on his own uh, this year. Uh, he could look, he can mix it up. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and there's that versatility there. Yeah. And uh, you're right, he did play a, a, one of his better games for the year on the weekend. But um, how good was Max? Well, that's... Um, and you talk about dominating a game. Um, in every way, he impacted. So it was just a, a stellar performance from start to finish. Gorn, he, he was unbelievable. He deserves his All-Australian nomination, and I hope that tomorrow night the selectors do the right thing and have him in the team. Uh, I have no doubt that Grundy's going to get the first ruck nod, and uh, whether you, anyone agrees with that or not, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, and even though there is a case for Maxi to have his spot, I think the wider football community has called this one. Um, I'll be extremely disappointed if Max doesn't get a spot on the bench, and I called this weeks ago, but I have a feeling he is going to miss out on the team, and I bloody hope I'm wrong. Uh, Ruzi left one. him out uh, of his um, final 22 on the couch last night, which was interesting. Was he trying to be controversial? You know, some of the... <laughs> no, no, no. He said if he was it. picking a team to play, yep. then he would definitely have picked Max. Yep. And he acknowledged it was very much a line ball call, but he gave the nod to Grundy. Super Mercado. Which I, I think, which I think yep. proves your point, Andy, that... Yep. Um, I think he, he might miss out yeah, too. Yeah, I really unfairly. think he will. Uh, unfairly, yeah, I agree. Uh, Super Mercado, thoughts on... Well, yeah, well, obviously I agree. Grundy's going to be in there because he plays for a more yeah. popular team that's and won more games won more this games, year yeah. and he's a good player. He will be the starting ruckman. Uh, but I guess, yeah, they they don't usually pick two ruckmen because because this team's got to go play a game somewhere apparently in like uh, cyberspace or something. <laughs> well, they did uh, They did pick two last year, admittedly. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. So I think that when you've got two great ruckmen like this, that it really would make sense to put Max on the bench. But the moment I saw we didn't have any other players in the 40, I was just like, I don't want to even look, want to look who else is in contention. So I couldn't give you a intellectual view on why Max should be in the side, but gut feeling is that you've got a player that he has, has carried the team on his back this year so much that if you spent more than five minutes watching Melbourne, you would understand why Max Gorn deserves to be in that side. And it's like you you look at the people over the years, Gary Ablett, like I'm not suggesting he's Max and Gary Ablett are by any stretch of imagination the same player, but Ablett when he was with Gold Coast and they were terrible the first time around, and he was making the All-Australian team. It was because he carried that team on his shoulders. So, again, I think if you just he won sit a, down and watch he won and a if Brownlow you look at the stats as well. As well he won a Brownlow as well. He won a Brownlow. Well. Yeah. He is a midfielder. Yeah. It, it helps. He, if, you, if you look at the stats as well, so you take the, you take the gut feeling, you take the watching, it, you take the stats, and it all points to Max being such an influential player that I think I'm, I, I'm not one to get upset about all Australians because pretty much we haven't had anyone in contention for the best part of 10 years <laughs> yeah. apart from Max. But I think it would be criminal if he didn't get a run in the side. But show me the side and show me who knocks him out and then I might uh, might have a different opinion. Uh, you mentioned we didn't have anyone else in the, in the team. Uh, Clayton Oliver, uh, I don't think he's had his best year this year, but... Um, he did lead the league in contested possession, uh, 359. Next, uh, Fife, 351. Lockie Neal, 350. Patrick Cripps, 339. Cunnington, 337. And Boak, uh, 308. Um, all of those guys, may, I believe, made the, um, made the, the squad, uh, not Clayton Oliver. 
And no, I don't. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, I don't think I don't. I wasn't expecting him to this year, uh, but you have a look at you know he's up there in the stats. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, think I'm... his form warranted inclusion this year, even in the squad of forty. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, yeah, his disposal was uh, nowhere near as good as it was last year. And uh, for some strange reason, he seemed really rushed a lot of the time. And we know how quick he is yeah. uh, with his hands, but uh, he sort of seemed to be playing at breakneck final speed, um, even in games where everything was, was sort of really slow around him. So, um, yeah, he seemed to be he was sort of slightly off the boil, I thought, this year, despite, as you say, racking up pretty good numbers. Is it his fault that no one else can keep up with him? I guess he's... Well, if you're the one getting all the contested possessions, you've still got to do something with them. That's true. And I think he was a lot looser this year you know, with his disposal. I thought I still thought he was very good. I would suggest that he's going to probably finish behind Max in the best and fairest yeah. again. But at the same time, on a league, compared to other players around the league, I think no, no issue at all with him not making the 40. Uh, Maxi for the game, mammoth stats uh, for the big man. Uh, 26 disposals, 20 contested, eight marks, four of those contested, uh, 41 hitouts uh, against the league's third, th- probably the third best ruckman, perhaps, uh, with 24 hitouts. Uh, he's had 10 clearances, five inside 50s, three goals, one, negotiating that difficult breeze. And I'm not sure if uh, the breeze sort of inadvertently <laughs> helped Max or whether they were intentional goals, but. Uh, mammoth uh, game from from the big man. Yeah, uh, almost faultless. Yeah, almost faultless. Uh, another highlight for me was Bailey Fritch. Uh, you know, he's our lone forward target at the moment. Uh, he's kicked. Uh, he kicked three goals too. Uh, took a beautiful contender for Mark of the Year. Um, I'm still shaking my head as to why we played him in defence for so long when he was drafted as forward. He's clearly a forward. Uh, 20 goals, 16 for the year. Uh, once he was moved forward in the last seven rounds, he kicked 16 goals, 13, uh, three times kicking three or more, five times kicking two or more. Uh, clearly he should have been forward and will only blossom with uh, T-Mac and Weed in the team, I think, beside him. Yep, amen to all of that. You know, I don't think he's going back anytime soon. He's He's very good. Yeah, with contested marks, and I love contested marks. Yeah. They're almost <laughs> behind goals. Contested marks are my favourite. I think they're the most yep. honest stat of them all mm. because it doesn't rely on anybody else and any what anybody else does. It's it's taking that one on one or one on many against opposition players, and I think you can really judge something when you see players that have contested marks. Some of them you expect. You expect Gorn. You expect Pruce, who had a few on the weekend. You expect Frost to have them. But to have a player like Fritch take contested marks is invaluable. You look at the contested mark uh, leaders in the competition and you have to go down a long way, but then you find it's players like Fife. Like Nat Fife seems to take great contested marks around the ground and is a star. Now, Fritch might not reach that level by any means, but... It's such a, a vital tool to have that player that's the half forward forward who can take a contested mark and not have to rely on the tools to do it all the time. Yeah, I, he's he's. I think you're right. He's elite um, in that category, and particularly for his size. Yeah. But his his ability to read the ball and know where it's going to be and get in the right position um, is second to none. And yeah. also to contest when he doesn't take it, he puts in a good contest. 
which yep. I think it frustrates all of us when you get a kick to a one-on-one, even to a one-on-two, where the player just gets beaten, all ends up, and the other side take a mark. I have more faith that Fridge will at least get a hand to it or, you know, crash a pack, maybe not crash it with too much force because he'd be size, but go to, to make some kind of pressure on the opposition, which is something I think we lacked a hell of a lot this year. Yeah, the guys uh, really love him. Uh, doesn't have much meat on him and can take those great marks. Um, uh, moving on, uh, I, I thought Frost uh, did a great job on Ben Brown, whose two goals came from a, a downfield free kick and a mark on the lead from a quick turnover where we just couldn't feel the hole in front of him. Um, I thought we did a great job targeting him, putting him off his game by having Lever as the third man up. Um, I can't recall us sort of doing that. We were a bit physical with him as well. Um, we haven't done that in a long time where we've targeted a player. And I take a little bit of solace in the fact that uh, we stopped him from winning the Coleman medal. Um, <laughs> I was worried last week that he'd kick 10 plus. Yeah, I was one of those people that, that said that. Uh, there were people calling... Uh, the naysayers uh, out on Demon Land this week, and I was one that thought thought he would uh, absolutely destroy us, and I'm glad we were able to curb his uh, influence on the game. Yep. Look, Frost continues to be Mr. Dangerous, um, both for and against his own team, <laughs> yes. and I suspect that that will continue for the duration of his career. I don't think it can be sort of managed. It is what it is, and he is what he is. Uh, so you take the good with the bad. Absolutely. And, I, look, I think that him and Lever should swap paychecks for this year because <laughs> he's, he's done, done the – he does the intercept marking, but then he actually has a, an attacking benefit as well. And, yes, sometimes it goes haywire, but a lot of the times it also just gets the ball away from our goal, which is – we're the best place to get it away from. And whereas Lever seems to be great in the air, decent positioning, all that kind of stuff. But he, at the moment, he's, his turnovers and his kicking has been pretty poor. So hopefully whatever is ailing him will uh, sort itself out next year. But I think Frost, I would have Frost ahead of him if you asked me to pick a backman to put in your team. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Lever's disposal was really frustrating. Um his intercept marking's good yeah. and just spoiling, but that he's got to do something about that disposal. It's yeah, costly. I think that'll just come with a bit more game time. Um, if you remember last year, once he got his, he started really poorly and he was turning the ball over left, right and centre at the beginning of last year. Um, but then once he sort of settled into a rhythm, um, his disposal was was uh, was actually very good. So I'm, I'm not too fussed about it at the moment. And it's, it's also having someone to kick it to. Like we, yes. we're, we, we watch it on TV and we can sort of see what's going on. But when he gets the ball and looks up and if you've got no one to kick it to and you're trying to uh, thread the eye of the needle to hit someone on the boundary, that's the last thing you want with a backman because most of the time they're, they're not the people you want kicking the ball. So it's, it's about the structure of the side as well. Yep, uh, Jordan Lewis uh, certainly has his he's had his naysayers uh, over on Demonland and on social media. I've noticed over the years. However, I think he's provided us with with great on field uh, leadership when when he hasn't been missing games through suspension. Um, you know, we're going to miss the toughness. Um, you know, I, I thank him for his time at the Demons and on a great career. And that those four premierships experience we will miss as well. 
Yeah, and I think he's he's actually played really well in the particularly in the latter half of the yeah. year. So um, yeah, yeah, you can't say that he's going out on a high note given no. the uh, you know given the season that we've had. But personally, um, absolutely walking out with his held held head held high and still playing um, pretty good senior footy. So yeah, well done. George and the yeah. outer and I last, sorry, uh, Supermercado before you. George and the oh, I was just going to say, look, I wasn't crazy about him this year at all, but I think we got good value for what we paid, which was pretty much nothing, and played a very important role in the, the first two seasons. And then this year, oh, look, I, I don't think, I probably would have, wouldn't have bought him back from the reserves well, midway through the season. But for what we paid for him, we definitely got good value. Well, I think we bought him, George and I were saying last week, we did bring him back because of out of necessity we, we've had uh, 16 players on the injury list uh, come round 22 uh, he was fit and uh, had the experience I think we needed to bring him back I think if we had that full list he, he probably wouldn't have come back uh, once he was out of the team but uh, the, the year is what it was what it was in terms of uh, cattle on the field and uh, he was a man standing so well I suppose it's hard to play kids when you don't have any yeah <laughs> Uh, once again, we uh, smashed it in the cl- clearances, 47 to 29. Centre was 16 to 10. And stoppages around the ground, ground 31 to 19. Yeah, once again, we, c- we can't just can't make the most of these first touches and find avenues to goal. Um, costly again. And the we biggest c- thing that it, sorry. Yeah, go on. You go. The biggest thing that annoyed me on the weekend, and, you know, we've seen this all year and even in previous years, was the flocking of all players to the yep. to the one man or to the one contest, um, leaving North uh, runners and mids on the outside. Um, God, it just it makes uh, you know. And if you look in the game day thread, it makes all of us tear our hair mm. out. Um, and you just wonder how. Uh, I guess that's the lack of cohesion and connection. Um, uh, that uh, that Goodwin's spoken about. It cost us the game in the end uh, because in that last bit of play, sort of all the b- players flocked to the ball and you know, they were able to flick it out to, to Higgins and Higgins yep. could have even given it to uh, Krusty the Clown. Uh, oh, sorry, Ben Brown because um, he was out by himself as well, but it did cost us the game. Uh, it's usually harder to score at that ground against the wind, yet we um, kick 10 goals into the wind and only two goals with it. So let's go work and that I don't one think out. That's the, I think that happened last time. It didn't happen the first time. The first time when we had that 140 to 135 spectacular, that was a lot of that was drawn on the wind. But I'm pretty sure last time when we needed to win to boost our finals credentials in 2017, we kicked more goals into the wind than with it. Yeah, we had a good third quarter, and that uh, which was against the wind last time, yep. and, and then, then we were going with the, the wind. Last quarter. And then, Gee, yeah. where, where have I heard that yeah. recently? <laughs> it was uh, almost carbon copy. Um, uh, turnovers, uh, you know, our pension for turnovers this year has been extremely costly. It was costly again this week. Uh, we gave the ball back to the opposition uh, for fifty-three points from turnovers. Uh, they, in contrast, uh, they scored seven. We only scored seventeen points from North Melbourne's turnover, so that's fifty-three points to seventeen. Um, 
I, I know we've just really got, I don't know how they work on this, but they've just got to reduce those turnovers. It's something that needs to be worked on in the off-season. How you do that, I don't know. Uh, but perhaps a few delistings might assist in this area. Yeah, and a, a few additions to the list, particularly mm. in terms of a pressure forward, would also assist. Um, uh, Petrak is one who has the ability and has created turnovers in our forward 50, but... Um, and I know we'll mention uh, Jeffy perhaps mm, in a moment, yeah. but um, yeah, since uh, since Jeffy um, sort of left the team, uh, uh, you know, um, probably midway through last season, um, we we haven't really had that uh, facet of our game at all. Forward pressure is a real issue uh, for us, uh, in particular with our small brigade. Melksham, Neil Bullen, Hunt, Corey Wagner could only ma- manage one tackle each, and Yep, that's what we've got to do. We need someone. And look, some of them can't tackle at all. Yeah. Um, Spargo is barely big enough to lay a tackle, and Stretch is barely strong enough to lay a tackle, um, and Nibbler struggles with it too. So, look, Mel- Melksham is stronger, but those other guys, um, yeah, even if they do get their hands or arms on an opponent, they rarely bring them to ground. Yeah, and there's a lot of broken tackles. I would hate to yep. see the, the stat on how many times players are just shrugged off. Yep. Yep. Where do, where do we find stats like that? Do they even keep those stats? Because oh, uh, be, <laughs> Champion data would have broken broken tackles or missed tackles in their big super package of stats, I'm sure. Uh, we'll have to keep a, an eye out on that. And, um, and Jaden Hunt's not a great tackler either. Um, I should have added his name to that list too. Yeah, that, and that's the unfortunate thing because when you've got someone who can run quickly, if, yep. you, if you combine running quickly and tackling, you know, you've practically got 2004 Aaron Davey if you can put wacky goals and shots from the boundary line in there as well. But, you know, what's the point in having a quick guy if you can't lay a tackle? Um, can we say goodbye to Jeffy now? Oh, yeah, we can. We can. I, I was going to at some point mention um, the, the two delistings that happened today. Was it only two in the end? It was Jeff Garland yes. and uh, Declan uh, Kelty. Um, we've had uh, our friend of the show, uh, uh, Declan's uh, brother, um, drunken six, nine, seven. I, don't, I can't remember what the numbers One, were. Six, seven. Once, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, look, I, I think the writing on the wall for, for Declan was there a few weeks ago when we had not one uh, key forward and he was playing at Casey. So I think we thought at that time that he wouldn't play uh, for the D's next year. He's been delisted. And Jeffy, um, I think we thought, we all thought he was going to go at the end of the year. But uh, thank you for the 180 goals that he kicked for us. Yeah. Well, you know, Again, yeah. that's like you can't argue the value we got from pick yeah. 60-something. Was, for, for Garlet. Was it pick yeah. 60 or was it in the 80s? I think it, it was, was in the 80s. I like 88 or 81 or 83. But um, can I just point out Jeffy's uh, career stats? Um, very interesting numbers. Played 185 games for 321 goals. Cyril Rioli played 189 games for 275 goals. So Cyril played four more games... Um, yet Jeffy kicked nearly 50 goals more than Cyril wow. over the course of their careers. So whichever way you look at it, those numbers um, stack up pretty well for Jeffy. So uh, congratulations on a super career. And uh, he, um, 
at both clubs uh, played some really exciting footy. And for us, he, he did it at a time when we were still struggling. So, um, yeah, uh, very grateful for that. And you think back to the days of Jesse Hogan with Jeffy at the feet. Um, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, makes you pine for it when you consider uh, the slim pickings we had up forward for, for most of the year. Yeah, it certainly didn't get any better than his his first season, but the 40 goals he kicked in 2015, by the standards of how we were scoring that year, it was pretty much, I think 2015 and this year were quite similar in our scoring. So if you think that we had a top goal kicker who kicked 22 this year, the 40 he kicked that year, 40 goals, 31, uh, is was a, a sensational contribution. And after that, yeah, he kicked more goals a couple of years later, but I think that which was great, but I think the his actual contribution to that forward line peaked in that first year and then yeah, ebbs and flowed ebbed and flowed through the next four seasons after that. But yeah, fantastic value and very much appreciated. Uh Garlet, uh we got Garlet and pick eighty three, uh for pick sixty one and seventy nine. <laughs> so that's uh, that was Pretty good, I think. I think we got the uh, better end of we the We also got the way. chance to infuriate Carlton supporters. Um, remember there was that time where everyone was just telling up how many goals weight yeah. bets and Garlet were yeah. kicking at their respective clubs while Carlton um, were kicking, uh, well, Melbourne-like scores of uh, four goals, six and, and yeah. the like. I think they had tripled or quadrupled the amount of goals um, that uh, Carlton had kicked that year. That they did that. Yes. Yep. Um, what else did I have on on there? Uh, did uh, what? What did? <clears throat> how upset were you at the end of the game uh, when we lost? Did uh, I don't know if this is a an unpopular opinion, but I, I wasn't I wasn't upset as I thought I would be. Like, not that I didn't want to win the game, but I, I think I in the end I'm. Not, I won't say happy that we lost, but I wanted, you know, I didn't want people to go out and say on a high for the year. I want this season to burn for everyone, uh, players, supporters, everyone, so that we go into next year. I, don't, I didn't want the pain to be eased by having a, a junk time win. Is that an unpopular yeah. opinion? <laughs> uh, not with me. Look, I struggle to care about it, to be honest. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think you're a step ahead and more honest, uh, uh, you know, more honest than I am. So, I think I was a step behind because I just had the natural reaction of wanting to see Melbourne win. And at the start, I didn't take the game seriously whatsoever. Uh, I woke up pretty much on bounce time because I'd been working overnight the night before and lay in bed watching it on a phone for the first half. And I, I second half, I thought, oh, I've got to get up and watch this properly. This is just ridiculous. Uh, I've watched previously five losses since I moved into this house. I was like, maybe I can get one win in this house before the end of the season. And then the, just the natural reaction to a Melbourne game had me jumping around and swearing and yelling and uh, throwing myself on the ground when the, even when the kick missed at the end and it was going to just going to be a draw. Uh, but then the, what, what is telling is that about 20 minutes later, I was like, eh, yeah. who cares? doesn't matter. So it wasn't like the Adelaide game, which I was still upset about oh, halfway later. through the next week. <laughs> This was just like, at the time, I just had that natural reaction, but then once it was over, it was like, eh, doesn't matter. Uh, I would have been quite happy for a win. I was kind of mentally, when we were 15 points up in the third quarter, thinking, 
how are we going to annoy people by the players being half happy at winning and singing the song and stuff like that? How are we going to get kicked to death by the joyless anti-fun league people like Chris <laughs> Judd and Caroline Wilson who say, oh, no, the players shouldn't be happy after after winning a game in that season. They should have all gone off and you know, boiled themselves in oil in the change rooms. <laughs> Look, I, I, out, I, of, I, out of you know, sheer embarrassment at the season they've played. Look, I think you phrased it better. That I like, well, fifteen points up. I wasn't saying, oh, you know, I wasn't starting to barrack for North or anything. I'm just saying that once we lost, I, I didn't feel like I did against Adelaide or against West Coast or any of those close losses we've had. I, I was able to peruse social media afterwards without uh, without wanting to sort of uh, throw my phone out the window. But uh, yeah, well, that's... I think I, I blew a I blew a fuse in the last ten minutes of the St Kilda game. And then the rest of the season was just like not even even the Sydney game, it was just disgraceful. But it was kind of like who cares? It's all it, it just let this season get over with now. So I didn't have that that big big explosion in me. It was already gone. Uh, what do you what do you guys think? Uh, you were talking about the fun police like the the Chris Judds and the and the. Um... Uh, and Caroline Wilson's, uh, you know, wanting them to sort of burn, uh, burn for the year. Uh, someone I can't remember whether it was Kane Corns criticised um, Gold Coast for yakking it up um, with with their um, Mad Monday celebrations. I haven't seen it. I don't know if Melbourne has had their celebrations yet. I haven't seen anything on social media, and I know on Demonland there was a thread about it, and people were were uh, wanting you know, wanting Melbourne, wanting not to see sort of that, that, that imagery or the optics of of uh, the players celebrating the year. So what, where do you fall on that? Oh, we understand players need the break and all that, but uh, do, do, do you want to see those optics uh, of them sort of celebrating a year? Uh, personally, Whether Melbourne or Gold Coast or anyone. Personally, yeah. I, I, it doesn't affect me at all. I think that they live in a bubble all year and yeah. get slaughtered from every angle it just because they go out and have fun for one day doesn't mean that they aren't burning about what's going to happen in the preseason and what just happened in the season now i wonder have we actually had any confirmation that melbourne still do the costume thing since the great um alex giorgio dean turlich fiasco of about five years ago i i can't remember i don't seek it out so maybe i've just missed it but i don't remember seeing melbourne players in kooky costumes since that day yeah, look, I, 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 got, I, I differ a little bit. I don't like the optics of it, and I, I, um, I'd respect a playing group that has the maturity to say um, we had a poor year, and yes, we can celebrate the end of the season, but we're going to do it quietly mm. and privately rather than um, create a circus in public. But um, can they still wear a wacky costume privately? <laughs> can, I, can I still come dressed uh, well, as a pirate if I, it's private? I always thought that that costume, which I think started with Geelong uh, doing it, I, I think they were the first club to sort of do that and they did it for years or whatever, um, and I think they did it, they do it, I guess, to be seen. Um, I'm not sure other clubs have copied that and do that to, as a way to have some fun, blow off some steam, but you would think that they would dress up to be seen, you know, they're not, are they doing it for themselves or are they doing it? To get on camera, I think it, it, yeah. It, yeah. it peaked when Richmond buggered up that final kicking into the wind in Adelaide, and Trent Cotchin was interviewed dressed as one of the members from Kiss the next day, and he was doing he was doing a serious interview with Kiss makeup on. Like, one I think of that was just favorite, the end. Just wrap it up after that. Images from football. <laughs> I don't think I now, recall I, that. I, oh, I think the up. whole costume thing is bullshit. 
I just like to point that out. Like, I, I think it's just stupid, but I, I just think if they want to do that behind closed doors and say, look, who's going to show up and Max Gorn's come you know, dressed as a goblin or something like that, that's fine. But I agree that not yeah going down the going down Swanston Street dressed as Hari Krishna is trying to get on the get on the TV news. That would certainly be inappropriate. And who knows? I don't even know how this Gold Coast image, if someone put it on Instagram or something like that, um, and then allowed professional anti-fun league <laughs> rising star Kane Corns to uh, have a sook <laughs> about that. Um, I don't know if that was meant to be meant to be public or not, but it doesn't seem that now teams go right out of their way to be seen like the Geelong team were a few years ago when they were like really basically walking down the street of Geelong in their costumes. And, and fair enough because they were winning premierships. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now if you you know, if you had the Melbourne list come down your street dressed in costume, you'd probably throw something at them. <laughs> but oh, I think behind behind the scenes, you know, if they're gonna do if they're gonna be drinking themselves into a coma, it's uh, it's no no issue to me whether they're dressed as dragons or just dressed in their normal clothes. But I agree that keeping it out of the public, and I'm pretty sure we've learned that lesson since that uh, the Turlich Giorgio fiasco, not to go out and yeah really spruik that you're doing it is a better way to go. Well, it was a disaster of a year. We only won five games. Uh, we beat ninth position, 13th position, 15th, 16th and 18th. Uh, we could have easily have lost four of those, the Hawthorne game, Frio, Carlton and the Suns. Uh, we could have lost those. Uh, we were down, and the one, one of the other ones, we, the other one we won, we were down by 22 against the Swans. Could have easily have lost that, but we did have a spirited fight back. Uh, I guess you can make the case that we could have won the Eagles game twice, uh, the Adelaide game and even the Kangaroos game, but of the games we won, could have lost, it could have been an even bigger disaster of a year uh, had those results, some of those results not gone our way. Yeah, probably balanced a bit. Out. You know, we probably got lucky a couple of times and unlucky a couple of times and we should be exactly where we are. Yep. Uh, Super Mercado, you I, I noted, uh, you said that in the last five games that we've led at three-quarter time, we've then kicked five goals, 23 in the last Correct. quarter and lost four of those games. Uh We've got to fix up and the, this Car- And the Carlton one. Yeah, the Carlton one I can <clears throat> kind of write. That was only about one goal three and we had no one on the bench. So even yeah. if you take that yeah. out and say for the four games, that's four goals 20. And a lot of that was from the Adelaide game and the weekend combined, yeah. which I think would be would have been 2.15 between them. But this is where I see, you know, you go out and you get Darren Burgess and you say, oh, yay, Darren Burgess, here comes time for physical fitness. And I just asked the same question I asked Mark Neild himself at the 2013 or 12, whenever it was, crisis meeting with supporters they had at Amy Park. What's the psychological side of this? What what do we have for players to work on their mental fitness as well as their physical fitness? Uh, and now I don't want to destroy the confidence of a meeting that occurred seven years ago, but <laughs> Mark Neild said... We don't need that because if the players have a problem, they can talk to a coach. Mm-hmm. And it's to my regret all these years later that I didn't argue that point more, that that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, but even now, I think they do have a psychologist on staff, which they didn't in the past, but I'd be really interested in, in where they are going with the players mentally with, A, the big letdown this season, and, B, the 
absolute proof that we have choked games spectacularly this season uh, in the last quarter, what are they doing to address that? Or is it just a case of we just think that the process will work, we'll come back next year, we'll be fitter, we'll have less injuries, we'll tweak the game plan, we'll have different assistant coaches, and then everything will just flow from there. I would like to see... It's one of those things that I don't even want to know what's happening. I just want to know that something's happening. I don't expect the club to tell me here's, here's, the, here's Sam Frost's mental health plan, but I just want to know that they are working on that side of things to make sure that we are a little less flaky next season. So I think that would be, yeah, that would be something I'd be really interested in finding out because I think we've moved well beyond the point of if players are upset, they can have a chat with an assistant coach. Uh, probably because at the moment they won't find any because they've, <laughs> they've all been sacked. But, um, yeah, I'd like to know what we're doing that because I think, yeah, physical fitness is great and it's so important, but the mental fitness side of it, especially in a year where doubts are going to be not only creeping in, doubts have stormed in the door, that we need to get the players back confident before next year or we're going to be starting behind the eight ball. How much of it is physical fatigue or and mental fatigue, that, that 523 uh, score line in those close well, I games. guess you got to take you got to take you'd have to sit down and look at all 23 to know what's what um I think the fact that we're uh, I would have to look at what the average is on on games so if you take five games well let's take out the Carlton game because that was different because of the the injuries but if you say four four goals 20 that's 24 scoring shots six scoring shots per quarter. Um, which in the current day is probably almost on average. Uh, so it's not, not a terrible result. So you'd have to go back and look at the points. You've got, I think, the West, the Adelaide game, even without Wiedemann's miss at the end, there was a lot of point-blank misses in that game. Uh, and then this this on Sunday, Saturday, there was a lot of point-blank misses in the last quarter there as well. So I think we're making the chances and we're staying in games. We didn't get blown away no. apart from the Geelong game, which I can't even remember what quarter we got totally smashed in. Um, we didn't get blown away in games this year. We pulled back, admittedly, with the other team putting the queue in the rack. We pulled back a bit against Sydney, got GWS, the Collingwood the second time. So we were running games out okay. So I'm not sure... If you can get a player on the field, I don't think the fitness was too bad, but obviously that can be improved. That can always be improved. So I think it's I think confidence is a large part of it as well. And I would say leadership as well. And I think that's where people have been pretty critical about our on-field leadership. Even last season, I remember people being critical about it. Uh, people were critical about a lot of things last year, but it all got swept up in that uh, excitement of September. And we, we sort of pretended that everything was going to be like the first two finals and not round 20 when we were trying to smash the joint after we lost to Sydney. I think that that's the, the on-field leadership of having a play, having players there who can settle everyone down and refocus them is also really important. And I do feel that we lack that. And again, I would, I would love to talk to someone from the inner sanctum, even if it was off the record, just to understand more of this and understand what's going on within the group because this is what it looks like from the outside, but it might not be the same on the inside. 
the D Milan Player of the Year was uh, congratulations to Max Gorn taking it out uh, in front of Clayton Oliver and James Harms with Christian Salem and Angus Brayshaw uh, rounding out the top five. Uh, Super Mercado, your your votes. Uh, how did that turn out? I'm assuming Max uh, took it out in the end. Well, I'm very happy that my votes have been certified by the <laughs> readers of Demonland.com because I had exactly the same top three. Uh, and I then I had Salem fourth, but then yep. Viney fifth. Oh, well, Viney was sixth for us, so uh, yeah. at least and I had actually did, had... Where did Petraka finish in both? Okay, I will go down my list. We we had Brayshaw at five, uh, Viney six, Fritch seven, uh, Sam Frost eight, uh, Christian Petraka nine, and, and not much between like those seven, eight, nine, and then Nathan Jones was ten behind Petraka um, in tenth place. Um and, and I had Petraka equal sixth, equal sixth with Fritch, who came hard at the end, and Melksham, who came hard at the start. And Petraka um, just landed I'll, on level with them at the end. Gee, I, I was surprised that Angus Brayshaw rated uh, so highly. I thought he had a very poor season. And I'd be surprised if um, Petraka doesn't get a top five finish in the BNF. Yeah, I, th- I think Petraka gets, he gets, I think, a lot of harsh criticism. And I agree with you. I'm surprised with Brayshaw. I actually had some notes on him. I, I'm positive this, he's carrying something. Uh, he didn't get out of a trot uh, at times. Um, so I'm hoping that's not an attitude thing. And a ho- I mean, Not that I wish an injury on him, but I hope that there is an injury excuse uh, somewhere there. Yeah, I had Brayshaw uh, Developing 10. this in- incredible habit of handballing either to nobody or directly to the opposition. He's just um, disposing sort of almost without thought or sight he's, sometimes. He's not the it's only bizarre. one. He's not and the only in, one. Oh, his inside 50 kicks yeah. are just diabolical. It's it's almost like you just kick it down there and hope for the best. So whoever whoever turns out to be our assistant coaches next year, this, that has to be one of their key projects to get him going again. Now, I think it gets... It gets multiplied by the fact that he came third in the Brownlow, which is stupid because at the same time we all abuse the Brownlow because they won't give votes to Gorn or they won't give votes to defenders. So we can't be too keen on saying, well, he finished in third in the Brownlow, so dot, dot, dot. But we all know he had a good season last year and he was much more damaging and looked much more confident last year and something's happened this year. So that has to be one of their key jobs next year to get him going again. Um, let's move on. Uh, positives from the year. I'll go, I'll go ask both of you. Uh, Great Viney, do you want to uh, start start off? What were your positives uh, for the year? Let's... Well, the aforementioned Christian Petraka, who I thought uh, definitely played his best season and yep. started to really, uh, yes, is, um, impact some games um, and even tidied up his kicking perhaps as the year went on, I think. Um, the return of Fritch to the forward line, um, the continued domination um, of Max um, Frost's uh, development, um, and I've got to say it's pretty slim pickings after that. Uh, Christian Salem had a very good first half of the year, but um, I thought he finished quite poorly and uh, seemed to be very lazy. Um, even with his disposal, which is something that he's he's normally celebrated for. Super. Obviously gone. It's very hard to find uh, 22-week positives apart from gone. Uh, I agree with Grapeviney that Salem's first half of the year was excellent. Yeah. 
Uh, Fritch's end to the season was excellent. Melksham's start to the year was excellent before he got injured. I, I did, when we could get him on the park, I thought Stephen May yeah, was, ex- was excellent. But yep. by the time he was on the park, we were already shot. And then he was going off the park injured more often than not. So I really, especially that first quarter of the Collingwood game, that was like such... I wanted him to be the captain that day for the first quarter of that Collingwood game, which is which is silly when you've got Gorn in front of him. But he was he was just such a leader in that back line and putting his body on the line so much that I really enjoyed watching him play. But that's the problem. We didn't get to watch him play enough. And again, I thought Hunt, first half of the mm, season, yeah. that was a positive, but just went missing by the end of the season, which I don't think is a great uh, sign for his future because I don't think he's got... He's playing in the back line. He's going to not going to be in the back line. So if he can't find a role on the forward line, he's going to be in trouble. And I apologise that this was supposed to be positives, but I haven't really got that many. <laughs> other than that, like it's it's yeah. been it's been one of those years. Marty Hoare. Yeah, he was a good find. So um, again, end of the year though, yeah. when he came back, yeah. I think he just got caught in the general malaise of the whole place. Yeah. But what I thought was when the first time when Jetta was injured, he looked like he was going to be able to play that role. So you sort of think if Nev lasts, you know, two years or whatever more, that Hoare should be able to to take his yeah. spot um, in the team. So it's it's a good development opportunity for the future. Otherwise, I thought Dunkley showed a little bit, especially that game. I think it was the Collingwood game where he took about 10 marks. Uh, I think he's put a pre-season in him and he'll be, he'll be very useful next year. Otherwise, yeah, I agree. Frost was exciting. Um, Jay Lockhart. Jay Lockhart showed a bit too. Yeah, I, I would like to. I would like to have seen more of him, possibly in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I think that if you if you just take a positive on what the expectation would have been, I actually really liked Corey Wagner this season. I'm not sure if that's yep. the kind of player who's going to still be in the team if we're a good, a really good team next year, mm. or even a mid mid table team next year. But I thought he did a few really nice things. Um, I gave him votes twice, and he got dropped. Um, both times, so shows that I, shows that I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes to football. So he finished on two votes in my my award. Um, Petty, yeah, that was my that was going to be my add on. Yeah, to what you guys I think it's a said. shame. It's a shame he got hurt. Yeah, in those last couple of weeks because I would really wanted to finish the season with him playing forward because I think now well he had the opportunity because with with uh with the two forwards out that was his opportunity to show yeah now we hit next year where let's just pretend god forbid we get all our players to round one <laughs> you got may leave a frost in the back line you got Wiedem and McDonald presumably in the forward line uh, does he still get a chance or not um the question is does does he sort of play forward next year and one of the three McDonald Wiedemann or Petty goes to intensive ruck school in the off-season to um, to take that role that Bruce played off occasionally this year. And then we just play with those three as all, all forwards. I think Petty's marking was great. Like mm. One way or the other, we've got to find a way to get him into the team just because he can take a strong contested mark. And as previously discussed, I love a good contested mark. So I think those, those few weeks, look, his goal-kicking was pretty much as you would expect from a guy that had been a key defender about two days before he first played as a key forward. But you, you couldn't argue with those big marks. 
Yep, absolutely agree. Uh, there was another thing we we're going to talk about, uh, but I guess we've covered sort of a lot of that. Uh, was <clears throat> you know what gives you hope uh, for next year? But <laughs> I think <laughs> the fact that uh, we might get uh, a lot of players back from injury uh, is probably the biggest. Uh, yeah, I mean, how, yeah. How do you know how to judge it until that happens? And look, I never thought. Actually, I won't say I never thought we were a top four team. I probably thought we were a top four team in the um, until 2019 ticked over, and then when the then when the reality of the players were going to be missing, I, I put us down to fifth. Um, so I would say we'd be somewhere between fifth and tenth, which sounds stupid. It sounds like a too big a gap. But if you look at, for instance, last year, where I think ninth, tenth, eleventh all had 12 wins or 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, all had 12 wins, whatever it was. It's not a big gap down to 10th. So I think we're contenders for the finals next year, but I wouldn't say under any circumstances we just become instant top four team or instant premiership contenders. And I don't think we were this year, even if everything had gone right. So I think we can at least be competitive, a bit more than competitive. I think we can worry a few top teams next year and we should be in the mix at least for the finals at an absolute minimum. Well, all the pundits had us uh, one or two or, or within the, certainly within the top four next year. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as kind to us. I think a lot of them will have us not making the eight. You'll have a couple here or there that uh, put us in the eight as a, as a, just to be different to everyone else. But uh, I don't know, Great Viney, uh, do, we, do we get back into finals next year? Uh, I'm going to uh, tip the scales in the favour of yes. Um, I think we'll make the bottom part of the eight, um, sixth or seventh in the end. Um, we're going to be joined next year by uh, Alan Richardson. Uh, your thoughts on that, Super Mercado? I'll start with you. Well, my understanding is that he's sort of the senior mentor to to Simon Goodwin. Is that your understanding There's, as well? I don't think there has been any role assigned to him or any title as yet. Uh, he hasn't fronted uh, any media yet or anything, so they haven't. I don't think there's been any label put on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess you can go for. Uh, well, uh, the only reason I say is because I heard heard today that that's what he was discussing with Essendon, which I, it's kind of weird considering who the Essendon coach is like one premierships and he hasn't. So if he was, and because there was a, a bit of a conspiracy theory that, oh right, so Essendon's going to have a younger coach, are they? Because they're going to need this bloke to yeah. to be the senior assistant. Um, which in that case, if that does happen, then I would uh, I would probably ask why we can't have uh, Gorn solo as a coach and then Viney, for instance, <laughs> as a as a uh, coach. Sorry, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, let's not go that far. Gorn as captain with Viney as the vice captain, being his sort of senior assistant in the leadership group, uh, and just have Gorn Gorn flat out. If it's good enough for a senior coach, it's probably good enough for the captain as well. Uh, again, without knowing. Without knowing what he's officially doing, it's hard to be certain about it. But he does come with great reputation as an assistant coach. Uh, and he was not a overly successful senior coach, but he was not a disaster of a senior coach either. So he probably has a lot of lessons that he can bring to the table uh, to teach Goodwin and to teach the group as a whole. So that, look, I welcome it. There's, there's no reason not to welcome it, but when it turns out that they've put him in some wacky role that uh, has absolutely nothing to do with match day or something like that, then I might have a problem with it. He might take over Robbo's job hosting the um, Hamed Paints <laughs> segment at quarter time. 
but uh, I can't look. I can't think of a way that it's going to be a bad thing. Probably going to be a bad thing for Goodwin if we start next year badly and everyone starts to go, "Oh, there's an ex there's an ex senior coach standing right behind you." But hopefully, we don't get to that. I had two St Kilda supporters uh, tell me two completely different things ab- about him. One said he's great for uh, development, but terrible with uh, match day uh, uh, tactics and stuff like that. And then another St Kilda supporter said uh, he was happy to see the back of him. So <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> it had, it does any coach who didn't make the finals for however many years he was there, six years or seven years, is never going to get... No, nah, glowing you know, review. <laughs> yeah, glowing reviews as a great like match day tactician. So I, I think that he brings experience of having been there and done that as well. So I think that as long as Goodwin and he are on the same page, and you would certainly think that Goodwin would have had to ever have a hand in hiring him, um, if they if he hasn't, then there's definitely questions to be asked if they're just kind of plucking ex-senior coaches and sticking them in in the box and going, hey, Simon, listen to this yeah. bloke. So I would think that Goodwin would have had a part of it. So they would understand more what what he's going to bring to the table. And I think that, yeah, what I've heard as well is really good development coach. So, look, I, I would expect my guess would be he's going to be in the box, not standing on the, the boundary line, patting people on the back uh, as they come off the ground. I would think he'd be more... Yeah, behind the behind the scenes rather than on the front line. Great, Viney. Uh, look, not a lot to add to that. I've watched him uh, on, or used to watch him on um, AFL 360 um, on Coaches Night, and yep. I've got to say he's um, never impressed me, um, sort of in his in his media role. But um, I'm someone who gets infuriated by the constant criticism of uh, Simon Goodwin online in his press conferences mm-hmm. because I don't think that a coach's media performance um, has any bearing whatsoever um, on their coaching ability. So, um, look, we'll, we'll see, uh, see what happens, I guess. Um, hope for the best. I would still have preferred Mark Williams just because I love Mark Williams after his choke yourself with a tie <laughs> antics at the grand final that time. Uh, which is my my all-time favourite non-Melbourne Football Club-related moment in the history of football. So, I would have loved to have got him in, but I understand that's probably he's probably a bit too uh, bit too wacky for the conservative Melbourne uh, enterprise. Okay, the other thing um, that came out uh, today, uh, it looks like, uh, if you can believe the Herald Sun report, um, it looks like, it sounds like that Ed Langdon from Fremantle has chosen us and I guess it's just about now hashing out a deal with Fremantle but it sounds like um, he's going to be in Demon's Colours next year Uh, any thoughts on that boys Uh, Great Viney I'll go to you first Uh, well he's a bit of a runner isn't he or sort of an outside runner winger type so we need that definitely so I don't know too much else about him. I know that there's been some criticism of his kicking. kicking. Well, that Um, was that was what I read in the article in the Herald Sun. I'll I'll pull that up. What they uh, said about him, Um, Steve McGard. I'll go to you uh, while I'm uh, locating the article. Well, I was going to say the same thing. My understanding Mm. is that he runs quick, but he's not a great kicker of the ball, which (laughs) fit him right in at the D's. Exactly on the (laughs) on the you know, surface of things, it doesn't sound like something that I'm particularly interested in, but you've got to back 
got a back that they know what you know what they're looking for, uh, and that he's got something that's going to help there. Uh, can I ask, why are you looking for that? Yeah, what did it, uh, everyone think of Stretch on the weekend? I actually think he showed some good good signs. Um, yeah, I'm uh, not impressed. Um, and perhaps that's part of the, I guess I gave up on Stretch a number of games ago and I, I just don't think he's got enough qualities to make it. Um, yeah, I, I find him to be very vanilla. Yeah, I'm, uh, and, look, I don't think, I I'm not suggesting he's a round, 20, a round one best 22 player, but I think uh, he'll definitely, he's definitely got something to offer as a depth player on the list. Yeah, I, I've got no problem with him as depth player. I, the, my problem this year with our depth was the fact that we were playing a lot of a third of our depth all at once. Yeah. Uh, just that's obviously not going to work. It's not going to work for any team. Uh, I think for for the D's, the, the the comfort I take from the fact that we often had all of our depth players in is that we weren't getting blown off the park. With those in, so I guess that's a good sign. But when you've got a third of your team as depth players, well, you're not going to win games. So I'm him. He's one. Uh, he's higher up on the list than a few of those other depth players. Happy for him to come in and out of the team and plug holes. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't think he's uh, best best twenty two at the moment. Um, uh, this is uh, Ed Langdon in round twenty two against Dessen. Uh He won a career high thirty seven possessions to go with his uh, hundred and 61 metres gained. I'm assuming that's for the That doesn't sound year. like many. That's uh, not a lot at all. Um, <laughs> he enjoyed uh, his best season of his career this year, averaging 86 ranking points uh, for the Dockers, finishing with four stellar 100 uh, ranking point games, which oh, God, I guess... If we're, means, sorry, if we're, if we're doing this on rankings points, <laughs> this is the I don't want anything to do with him. If that's the best <laughs> they can find, rankings yeah. points... Nah, he can Agreed. take his hair that gets tied <laughs> so hard back that it looks like his forehead's going to have major trauma. Uh, I don't want any oh. part of it, if that's the best they can find. But but the thing that I, I, I took out of this, uh, there's been conjecture about his kicking, uh, which is so Melbourne, uh, but Langdon went at a respectable 68% efficiency by foot this year, uh, playing predominantly as a wingman. Um, yeah. <laughs> Surely being a wingman... Is should be easier because you should have someone to kick it to, like a half forward leading up at you or something like that. I don't know. We wouldn't, so that's one problem he's going to have with us. Uh, I'll, I'm not exactly enthused about this, to be honest, but, you know, you never know. If it's going to happen, we'll just have to tr- trust the process again. Um, and that's pretty much going to be the slogan for 2020. And just, yeah, hope that they hope that they know what they're doing and they're not going to overpay and get ransacked by Frio into paying, uh, you know, major, major currency for him. I'm trying to do cartwheels about this, but uh, they're not, they're not working out. And and just to, just, <laughs> I know Grapevine, you haven't been perusing the uh, trade thread. Sort of any player that's up there has their own thread, and everyone on Demonland seems to think we we're a chance to get any of it. But uh, whenever you look at the articles, I'm not seeing our name. With, with the exception of Langdon being linked to anyone else, we were there for Hill at one stage, but now we sort of know that's not a there chance. There's a port player named on the AFL. Yeah, never heard of him today. before. Uh, Carl Amon. Yeah. Uh, Carl Amon, yes. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't know him if he robbed me. Yeah. Straight, to be honest. So, so I've heard man. his name before, but I've never heard it in context with any, you know, uh, yep. anything good, uh, you know, to write home about. Um, so we're not really linked to any 
big names. Uh, can, I, can I just give a rundown of the everyone who's got a thread on the first page? On the first page, By there's all means. The, there's Ed Langdon, Josh Bruce, oh, no. Carl Amon. <laughs> uh, my computer's been Bruce like J- Jack Watts, uh, Hayden Young. I don't know who the hell Hayden Young is. Yeah. Cats into Petraka, Jake Carlisle, Jack Martin, Jamie Elliott, Lachlan Ash, Tom Cutler. The very humorous get Izzy Falau and Josh <laughs> Jenkins. They all they all get a thread on the first page. Yep. I like the Josh Jenkins thread goes back to April 13, 2016. So <laughs> it's just carried on ever since. So good work to whoever just went and bought back an old thread instead of starting a totally new one. Happens all the time. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, well, the Jack Martin one, um, there's six teams linked to him and none of them are us. Um I don't think we're linked to any of these players, so I, I, I think we're shot for the for the salary cap. Yeah, like because Brad Hill, my understanding is that we've got nothing. Like St Kilda's got you know stupid money in the tank to offer to players like that. Oh. Oops, sorry, uh, super cap, But I don't think we've got much room for an enormous, um, you know, game game changing players to come in. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, I don't know how, I don't know how much we're going to factor into this whole trade period. The the other interesting thing that was brought up today, and I I don't know if this was just someone in the media putting this out there. I doubt they would have got a leak from the D's because we've been pretty good with that type of thing. But there's the there's the concept that we might you know uh, split the picks. Uh, we might trade that pick two, which was like is likely to be pick three, uh, and try to turn that into two first round picks. Are you in favour of something like that, giving up pick three to get uh, the, eleven uh, and nine, eleven nine and eleven, or whatever it turns another out? Another incarnation of the Josh Kelly for Correct. Salem and Tyson, basically. So. Um, uh, it, well, it all depends on the personnel involved, doesn't it, I guess? And I haven't paid too much attention to what's going at the top end of the draft either, I've got to say, so I might but pass on uh, on this discussion. I think from reading that, it's pretty obvious that if they still get two, then they're going to use it on the, the bloke who's, um, you know, the, the standout. Well, there's two, the two, two standouts, yeah. Yeah, they're going to use it on one of those two, but if it's three, then they're not as keen. But, again... Yeah, you you got to know what you you might be getting, and I think is with where we're at. Do we really need draft picks? Like, yes, we need them, but do are we desperate? Do we need two, or are we happy to get just one best possible and back the rest of the players in? Maybe they've done their maths and they say there's no difference between three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, and they think well we may as well get two of them. But surely other clubs have done that as well in that case. So why would another club yeah, give up something like that? And you're not working with the GWS now that have picks out the wazoo. It's going to have to be a pretty complicated deal to get two, two top 10 picks out of one pick when everybody, except presumably Gold Coast, when, when we get screwed at the AFL commission, is only going to have one pick in the top 10. I think there was a team that does have two in the, in the top 10. Would Adelaide now that where they finished? Would they have they've got Carlton's pick right below us, and then they might have one sort of at ten or something like that? Well, no, because they I think they just swapped uh, oh, their, their first round picks. But there was someone it might be GWS 
Um, someone has two picks because they uh, from a swap, um, so they'll get two picks in the first round based on a swap from last year. Um, it's, it's still a very like uh, difficult task to pull off. I'll, I'll pull up the indicative draft order, which the AFL website fortunately love posting about once a week. <laughs> And uh, so we've got, nah, it's, it goes Gold Coast, Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney, St Kilda, Fremantle, North Melbourne, Carlton, Port Adelaide, Hawthorne, uh, the it, top 10. It's 11 and 13, GWS have uh, 11 yes. and 13. But would you so, swap two for 11 and... Uh, no, you're certainly not. I mean, yeah. that's just too, yeah, that's just too wacky. Far out of the way, yeah. So, I mean, do we, are we certain that Gold Coast is going to get picked too? Like, I oh, forget us, like... They can shaft us till the cows come home, but surely Adelaide is going to hit the roof and Adelaide's got more pull in this league than we do. Surely they're going to hit the roof if they go and went and did a pre, a picket for a future round with another team and then get shafted down one spot in the draft. I would like to think that, like I said, I don't think we've got the leverage in this league to go mental about it. But Particularly I would like with our the, history. The, the Crows, well, yeah, but also... You know, when you're asked, you don't want to annoy the AFL too much because next thing you know, you're the Gold Coast Demons. Um, <laughs> well, but Adelaide, yeah, Adelaide have got enough oomph in this league to really kick up a stink about it, and I'm sure they will. And we're also going to the commission cap in hand on the same day, but not not to I think not to argue about their pick. I think we're there going to sort of. Uh, uh, Perhaps ask for money or or some some kind of favours. I don't I don't, I, th- I don't know if that's right. I don't know whether we're going cap in hand. I think um, I think, I think it's part to. of a routine presentation that clubs have to make. Okay, it's our as turn. part of their receipt of AFL assistance, which all okay. clubs get. Yeah, but it's staggered, of course. Um, uh, and yeah, you know, given the turmoil that we were in recently. I'm not surprised that we're in for a routine audit um, this time around just to make sure that the wheels aren't falling off again. But we're going to be crying poor a little bit because we're going to get a, a bad draw next year in terms, well, good draw in terms of maybe who we're playing, but a bad draw in terms of, um, you know, when we're playing, who, you know, where, well, the who. Hit, the hit's going to come to the The hit's going to come. Membership's going to be down at least 10, 10 grand. Uh, in terms of people, if not more, uh, we're going to get uh, terrible time slots, not a lot of TV coverage, which is all we'll, fair we'll, enough. We'll get the two blockbuster home games back, which, I, again, I yes. still can't believe. I still cannot believe that they managed to land both of those in the same season instead of having one blockbuster per year and then rotate well, it between between the two. It's just well, without they, knowing the inner mean? workings, I don't know, but it just seems like absolute negligence not to to have those years where you're basically like next year we're betting everything on having a good year and that we can get a good crowd. Uh, Anzac Eve is early enough in the season that it's it's not going to be hurt. Queen's birthday is when it starts to get a bit ropey. So if we get a duddish crowd to that, we don't make as much as we expect to make. And then you end up in a season like this year where you've got other big games at the end of the year that no one shows up to. Then yeah. you go into the next year when we don't have the home games in Queen's Birthday and Anzac Day, and then you've got a team still not doing well, seat dropping more membership. I think it's insane. And selling the pokies, which is, I am so worried about that. 
because that's big money that's going out the door that two years ago they might have thought, yep, no worries, we're going to cover this. Um, Gary Pert said 8,000 extra members is a million bucks uh, in the pocket. So they were probably thinking, yeah, no drama, we'll have 20,000 extra members, whereas now we might not. Uh, yeah, I think, there's an, yeah, there's an easy we might fix. be going in cap in hand twice to the AFL. Um, no, there's an, so. easy, there's an easy fix to the draw situation, and that's for the club to go to the AFL before the start of this season, uh, before the start of or before the um, working out of this year's draw and forego one of the two matches uh, next year. So um, only take one of uh, uh, Anzac Day or Queen's Birthday is a home day, and that way you put it one a year um, going forward. Yeah, so and try and get some other, try and get some other like way to balance that out by you know get a, you know MCG home games against Essendon and Carlton and stuff like that, and try and yeah try and balance it out so that you still get, you still make up the, the seventy five thousand yeah, the... through other games as well, and then yeah get it get it onto a split. So it's a simple fix for for the club to do it, and they they should do it now. Um, boys, um, is there anything else you want to bring up uh, before my, we my lunch? When I think <laughs> about this season, well, I was going to I was going to take a more positive approach and say we should should we say a prayer for next season? Is there <laughs> some kind of chant that we can um, do perhaps to get rid of the norm? Smith curse, or I think we've do discuss- we just uh, silently say our prayers and go into the night. Uh, we've got to get to the bottom of this uh, Norm Smith curse because uh, I think uh, successfully uh, didn't. Uh, who who had the curse in America? Was that the Boston, uh, Boston Red Sox? Yeah, we're going to maybe take a leaf out of their book and uh, exercise some demons. Um, I don't know what we do, but uh, boys. Anything else? Anything positive to, to, to leave this uh, season on? Uh, uh, season's uh... over. We've <laughs> started We've started the one-third at the best time of the year to be a Melbourne fan. We've done D-list. Yes. Now we get on, get on to trade and well, then we get on to draft. And well, we come out of that thinking that we're the next big thing and then hopefully the preseason doesn't involve everybody toppling like nine pins and we get to round one with... Uh, 99% because no one ever gets to round one with their best 22. Someone always gets injured somewhere. We get to round one with 21 of our 22 best players and we give next year a proper crack rather than the just the creeping death of this year. And the funny thing is, think back to round one. We were a red-hot chance of overrunning Port Adelaide in that game uh, and didn't score in the last quarter. It's just it's just hard to imagine that it's come to this, and it's not to say Port Adelaide are any good. They're obviously a confirmed middle-of-the-table team. But to go from that, the first 15 minutes of round one, we just looked like nothing had changed from last year. Um, well, you Tom McDonald took a mark took a mark, and even just kicked, did it like a dinky 25-metre kick around the corner to Melksham so that he could kick the goal instead. They were playing all full of confidence, and then it came to the last quarter of that game and just went, Splat through the floor. We didn't score, and we've never been the same since. Yeah. We had the same form at the start of JLT one, if you remember. Came out and looked like uh, absolute millionaires. So yeah. appearances can be deceiving, and I can guarantee you that uh, if we're down at quarter time in JLT one, 
the game day thread will be banging oh. for Simon Goodwin's blood and probably yeah, the rest is of good when the right department. man thread will reach no TS, no BS levels, levels of posting. Yeah. Um, we well, I'm just thinking what we should talk about. How how do you think? How long do you think uh, Google, if we have a disaster of a season, how long do you think uh, before they pull the plug or will they pull the plug this year or next year? Too early no, depends to say. Uh, depends what you define it as, as a disaster of a season. Everyone will have different definitions. Um, I, I would like to think now, and I might change my mind when it actually happens next year, that if we go close to making the finals, if we're, in, if we're competitive into the last couple of weeks in making the finals... I'm not going to say we need to sack a coach for that reason, but plenty of people are going to say that. To me, I wouldn't do that. But if we're, if you know, we're one and bottom. seven or something yeah. like that, that's when, unfortunately, the pressure the now media. seems to yeah. come too much on the clubs that they just have to, they just have to feel like they have to do something. Like the the joint will just be, you know, a media circus for the next twenty weeks if they don't do something. So, yeah, if we get off to a really bad start two months into the season, I reckon he could be in trouble. Uh, we've only announced two delistings. Do you think they're holding off uh, with the others to see if they can offload some in, in trades or, or as steak knives, uh, yep. rusty or not? Um, but uh, I'm sure we will see uh, more, de- more delistings uh, before the season uh, proper is out. Well, as it is, we've got four off the senior list. Uh, and I'm not sure what Lockhart, I think he's on the senior list. Uh, I know Dunkley's a, ro- a rookie, but I think Lockhart's a, a senior list player. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't leave much space to play with for other players unless someone else is going to get delisted or someone's going to get traded. Um, I would have thought there was at least um, at least one more. No offence to the man, but Jay Kennedy Harris, I, I just don't see, um, I think, Say, I feel I feel about him like you guys feel about Stretch, that it just just lacks the the X factor. I think he will, if he wants to keep playing, he's the kind of guy that will go and get paid a fortune to smash it in local competitions, and will probably you know look really good at a lower level. But he just lacks that X factor at the higher level. I would have thought he would have he won't make it, but again, yeah, they might be looking at what they're going to get in before they decide to shift people out. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think we. Well, gonna... I don't want it to end yeah. on an anti Jake Candy Harris <laughs> okay, so... theme. So could we could we just go with something else before we we pull the pin? Well, uh, we can bring back a, a favourite sec- segment of mine is uh, which uh, photo comes up on the Demon Wiki uh, uh, page? No, you can't because <laughs> no we problem. don't have the random images anymore. So what happened to that? So that was my uh, favourite thing. To my do. technical guru did a change and it disappeared, unfortunately. <laughs> so. uh, very good. Uh, you haven't had any calls from the club uh, uh, with people uh, complaining about what's on there. <laughs> No, no, there hasn't been anything recently. Um, someone, the once someone wrote into the club about my blog and complained about it, and the club had to carefully tell him to piss off. Um, but actually, no, it was about my Twitter, and it wasn't even something related to footy. It was something related to horse racing <laughs> and they that he took the offence that he took offence to, and he wrote into the club and cc'd me in uh, and asked them to suspend me. <laughs> Suspend you from what? Uh, and sadly, the club didn't write back. Like they didn't reply all if they replied. Yeah, I didn't get to see their response. But yeah, he wanted me suspended from the Melbourne Football Club. 
uh, possibly thinking I was an official employee of the club, I'm not sure, or just, just wanted me suspended as a supporter. Um, but uh, sadly, that didn't happen, and I'm, I'm still there today. Well, I'm pretty sure that there's quite a lot of people who follow Demon Land on Facebook that actually think it's uh, official, an official club uh, account. And uh, I put up a post today about our Demon Land Player of the Year, and I'm pretty sure people there were some people based on their comments that sort of might have been a little bit confused whether that was the um, Keith Bluey Truscott results. <laughs> I just got that feeling by some of the comments. Uh, uh, a lot of congratulations going on it, and I didn't <laughs> think uh, some of the, uh, the Demon Lion Player of the Year probably warranted the congratulations uh, of that of those players. But they'll um, be baffled when they hear in <laughs> you know, three weeks' time or something that what's actually happened. Well, uh, it probably will turn out to be the uh, pretty similar, at least yes. one and two. <laughs> you would think so. When is the best and fairest this year? I'm sure that we scheduled it well out of September. Uh, uh, not like about five years ago where we were scheduling in. I think the year t- 2016 when we had that like very long, long run at the finals, they actually had to put out a thing saying if we make the finals, we're going to have to move the date because yeah, they th- booked it on like the second week of September. I think if they have an inkling that we we might be thereabouts, they book two dates um, and are able to to maybe cancel it, but uh, this year it is uh, after the, I believe it's after the Monday after the grand final. Yep. Well, they obviously weren't expecting grand final player celebrations to be going on. So. Well, they, but they, they booked that. So hoping to roll it into the, hoping to roll it into the BNF, do you reckon? Yeah, that would have been, yeah, it would have been if we got into the grand final. Won, yeah, that it would have been that date. Uh, that's the date they, yeah, right. they had picked. That. They would have all shown up in costumes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I, I think we might uh, end it there tonight. Um, well, it's been a it's been a very uh, interesting year and uh, one that uh, we all would like to forget. Um, uh, well, I, I hope maybe. What will you remember? Pick one. Give me one thing that you will remember in a good way this season for. <sighs> well, I'll remember it as probably the year I was the most positive. Going into the season, I actually did think we would be top four this year. I thought we were going to be a great team. I know, Supermakata, you probably didn't have that uh, uh, same expectation, but I I did, and that's strange for me. Um, I um, almost had a a, a blue with my family who wanted to go on a family trip uh, in September, and I was like, nah, you go without me. This is an extended family trip. Um, I said, nah, not going. And... We decided not to go, and I had egg on my face. Uh, so. Well, I'm going to go for Marty Hawes' goal against Gold Coast because uh, we didn't know the season was entirely shot at that point. And I know that only drew the game, and obviously there was we shambled through a point to win it. But the shock and surprise of him kicking that goal, I think, was the the highlight of the season for me. And Grey Viner, you? you? Uh, I'm going to go with Max's game on the weekend uh, because when all was said and done, it was a dead rubber and a true champion keeps going regardless of uh, regardless of consequences. And, um, yeah, he was at his very best on the weekend. He is, and let's hope uh, Maxie can get into it, can squeeze himself into that All-Australian team, which is announced uh, tomorrow night. Uh, does deserve it, and uh, I think it would be a travesty if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't make it. Um, 
But we'll be back. I uh, hope you boys might join me uh, in, in trade week if if you're available and we can discuss what happens and perhaps we do pull out a Smokey who, who uh, can add, add some value to the team. All right, boys, thank you very much for the year and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Go days. Go days.